Cartoons, the animated frontier. These are the voyages of the Cellcast podcast. It's continuing mission to explore strange new cartoons, to seek out new animation styles and new creative storytelling methods, to boldly go where so few ever go again. Welcome to another episode of The Cellcast. Joining me today is a man who just feels like wishing upon a star. Welcome, Jacob. Hmm. I wish I may. I wish I may. Let's get this podcast started. Okay, then. <laughs> All right. Why, thank you. Let us introduce our co-host. Eonk! <laughs> welcome. Uh, I'd like to welcome our co-host, a man who is now regretting his decision to, to visit Pleasure Island. You know, there are a lot of things people Thunk. could... Uh, <laughs> There are a lot of things people could t- say about me, but thankfully, <laughs> no way. I think I've had a cu- few customers call me this. Now that I think about it, <laughs> back when I worked with the public. Wow. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. Either way, how are you doing, Jacob? <laughs> oh man, sometimes you just feel like you're just stuck in Monstro. <laughs> like you just you you can't get out. It's like crap. What's going on? <laughs> Uh, I'm still confused about his internal physiology. Exactly, <laughs> definitely in the game. Good night. Yes. That is absolutely like, like watching like watching the playthrough of Drew playing. By the way, go check out our uh, our uh, playthrough of uh, Kingdom Hearts. We'll be starting back on it soon. Yes, uh, that is royally confusing. It's like wait, it's a whale. Like this Except isn't half of its body is its mouth. <laughs> so true, so true. Either way, uh, yeah, I'm doing very good. I've been uh, weekend. I drew a lot. Uh, if you want to go check out my art, go check it out on uh, my Facebook page, uh, Jacob's Daily Art Corner, which uh, you can check it out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And uh, yeah, I've been drawing a lot, a lot, inking and painting, and uh, just trying to get my my art skills up to where I could, you know, maybe do something professional and more with it. So. Mm-hmm. Work was pretty good. Uh, people were more concerned with the uh, uh, the uh, COVID, COVID that's uh, the variants come out. And there again, I am not giving any information that I do not have that is verified because we don't. I don't want to get it canned. <laughs> right. Either way, uh, so we had a lot of very good conversations about that. Um, other than that, I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I've been doing pretty good so far. It's just been a normal week. Mm. Caught up on a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. So you know. Yeah. Easy come, easy go. You know how it goes. Uh, so, as exciting as all that is, <laughs> uh, what have you been watching? What have I been watching? All right. So, uh, I picked up this, it's, I guess you would call it a one of these bundle packets, like, number of years ago at a Walmart. Mm-hmm. And it was called uh, Inside the Criminal Mind. It's a documentary series. And it goes throughout, like, all of, like, America's worst serial killers, because I'm always, I've always been interested in true crime. Yeah, and uh, I just as long as you don't commit it, it's fine. No, yeah, we're good because it's it's very interesting to understand the 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 criminal mind and how depraved it can get. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, total depravity, totally get it, <laughs> totally yeah. get it with that. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so I watched you that, and I've uh, been listening to a few uh, newer podcasts. Uh, one was recommended by our pastor, uh, the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Uh, this is a church uh, that started back in the mid '80s, mid to late '80s in uh, Washington State, and uh, it collapsed in 2014. 
when the pastor left and the church completely collapsed. Mm. And episode, uh, they just released episode five, and oh my gosh, it was like whoa. So I, w- I would highly recommend people uh, going checking this out. Uh, it's by Christian Today magazine, mm-hmm. and it's a really really good series. And uh, it's uh, they they talk about some really really shocking things, like what uh, Mark Driscoll, the pastor of that church, uh, would talk about and everything. It's really really shocking, and uh, understanding like why this church fell apart. Yeah, and uh, I thought it was very interesting to listen to that, and also uh, uh, a band I love to death, uh, Skillet, which is a Christian uh, rock band. Mm-hmm. Uh, their lead singer John Cooper has a podcast called Cooper Stuff, and it's John basically talking about um, the what's going on in the world and taking a uh, very hardline Christian viewpoint on it, and it's really interesting because mm-hmm. John himself would be like, "Yeah, I'm not I'm not the most intelligent person on the planet," but be like, he comes up with some really he knows his stuff like come theology. It is nuts. I'm like, wow, okay, that, that's a man who knows and loves Jesus. That's awesome. So, um, yeah, I had to recommend both those podcasts to listen to if you haven't already. And, uh, yeah, you, you get some really, really good information and kind of help you through your uh, your own spiritual growth if you, if you know uh, Jesus Christ. Either way, uh, so, yeah, that is all I've been watching and listening to. What about you? Well, along with my normal stuff, mm-hmm. well, while I was waiting for uh – my internet service provider to get back a hold of me because I had to, uh, well, I got my service upgraded a little bit mm-hmm. so that I can, you know, the speed's about the same, but it's a, it's gotten better. It's supposed to have better uptime. Yeah. Uh, the only problem was, uh, when the guy came over here and got it installed, it wouldn't, uh, connect to the account really? at first. So, um, eventually the, the TV side of it did connect before I went into town and watched the movie The Green Knight. Really? With uh, my mom. Uh, that is an interesting movie. Okay. It's got a really... There, there's a lot of people I've seen praise the ending of this movie. I'm more left confused. Okay. Because it's like, did the ending happen or did it not happen? Because I don't know. One of those films. Well, it, it's one of those I'm sure I, I missed like some something. I yeah. had to miss something that explained why... Okay, so it, it, the way the movie ends, and I'm not really giving much away. Okay. Um, he goes back to you know his city mm-hmm. that he's from. I'm not sure if it's Camelot or not, but that's beside the point. Uh, and he ends up taking over for the king there, which may have been King Arthur, maybe not. It's very confusing. They never said the guy's name, and it wasn't listed in the credits. Mm. So he goes and he becomes the king of this land, and... Everything goes to pot. <laughs> okay. You get right down to it. And uh, just as they're beating down the door to his throne room, and you're thinking, you know, he's about to get killed, the scene immediately shifts back to when he was facing the Green Knight, what should have been like five, ten years prior to this point. Mm-hmm. And he says, okay, go ahead and do what you're going to do. It's like, what? Because the guy left un- the wrong way, I should say. Okay. The, I'm trying to talk about it without giving it away. I got you. But he did not do what he went there to do. Mm. And because uh, he went that far, but then he didn't do what he was supposed to do. Yeah. So he goes back. And of course, that's why everything went to pot. Yeah. And just as you're thinking, okay, this is about to end very poorly for this guy. The scene shifts back to him there. And he 
like changes his mind about something, mm-hmm. and the, uh, the the knight lets him go, mm-hmm. or kind of lets him go. It's kind of unsure. He just goes, "Okay, off with your head." But it's supposed to. It kind of feels like it's not. You know, I'm going to kill you, sort of a thing. Yeah. So I'm going. I don't understand what just happened at the end of this movie it it's weird yeah i have no idea how good an adaptation of the actual green the the actual story of the green knight yeah it is which for those who don't know it's actually part of the arthurian legend it is Mm -hmm. and the most famous trans modern translation of it was done by J.R.R. tolkien really oh yeah Yeah. i remember we were about that yeah yeah one gets the feeling that this is not the Tolkien translation. And because it, it, or it's not based on the Tolkien translation, it feels like maybe they went back to maybe the work and tried to retranslate it in a way that the story they wanted to tell. Right. Because it's very much a deconstruction. Oh, okay. Whether that's good or not is, I will leave up to the viewers. Okay. To make that decision. I'm not sure it worked for me. Okay. So yeah, I saw that Friday. Okay. And then I came home, internet still wasn't up. I had TV, but no internet. Okay. So I said, fine. And I went to bed because I was, t- mm. I'm thinking maybe, you know, they said it was going to take a while for it to, you know, do its thing. Maybe it'll be up in the morning. So I go to bed, I wake up, I still have no internet. Slightly freaking out because I still need to, I still needed to release Astro Boy. Mm-hmm. And I still wanted to do Sonic Saturday. So if those of you who know, who saw, who are on Facebook probably saw me, post i don't know when these are coming out or or mm-hmm. if we're or if i'm going to be able to do sonic saturday or not yeah while i was waiting so i got on the phone with them we got all that took care i, I talked with them there was still some kind of sort of hiccup but it's like okay it needs to re- in we'll we're going to work on it on our side we'll call you back i'm thinking okay fine so i just said well what am i going to do while i'm waiting Let's watch Avatar The Last Airbender. I went through five episodes of Avatar The Last Airbender. Wow. Uh, I'm still in book one, Water. Um, I'm enjoying it so far. I, I, I need to get finished. It's not my focus right now, but everything that would have been my focus required internet to watch. Mm-hmm. So I didn't do that. Mm. And so um, I got done watching that and, and I called them back and we got internet up and going finally. And so then I went ahead and edited the episode real quick, put it out, and then did did play Sonic Saturday. Mm-hmm. I did uh, I finished the hero story on Sonic Adventure Two and started the dark storyline. Okay. So if you don't know Sonic Adventure Two, it's actually it, there's two storylines: one that follows Sonic, Tails, and Knuckles, mm-hmm. and the other one that follows Doctor Robotnik. Yes, I said Robotnik. Uh, Shadow the Hedgehog <laughs> and Rouge the Bat. Okay. So I finished Sonic's story. Now I'm on Shadows or Dr. Robotnik's story. Okay. And you have to play both stories to get the full story of what's going on. And then once you complete both stories, you unlock the third ending, which is the actual ending of the game. Okay. Which in that which has a, a, a level that where you use all or use five of the characters, a boss battle where you which you do is the one character you didn't go through those five those that level with. And then you fight the bio lizard out on the top tip of the, the, the giant space station. Okay. As of course, supersonic and super shadow. Hmm. So I don't know if that's where I'm going to be Saturday night, but we'll see. Uh, this coming Saturday. But anyway, um, and then once I got everything back up, uh, I did catch a cut another show over the course of the weekend or, or the week 
Uh, you ever, did you ever heard of the sitcom The Middle? The Middle. The Middle. I've heard of... I've, yeah, I've heard of that and Malcolm in the Middle. Well, this is not Malcolm in the Middle. Okay. At fir- when I first heard of The Middle, I thought this was a knockoff of Malcolm in the Middle. Oh, okay. It's not. It's completely different. Yes, it is a family of five. Yes, the youngest kid is a bit of a weirdo and probably the smartest one in the bunch. Alrighty. But... Um, it's it's a different kind of it's a different story. It's about the the Heck family okay. that live in Indiana, which is characterized as the middle of nowhere. Okay, so that's why it's called the middle. Makes sense. This is the middle of the country. Yeah. So uh, this is like the worst family, but they're good. They're a strong family, but they're like from the outside they look like they should be falling apart and living because okay, you know how my apartments Studio B as it were. Yeah. It's not the cleanest. Okay. Their house makes my apartment look like a clean room at Intel. Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. That that's how bad it is. I mean, the the oldest boy, you know, he's the big football star, and he just is like checked out teenager, doesn't care. Yeah. He walks around the house in his boxer shorts. Of course. But he's like trying to get in with all the latest stuff. The middle child the daughter, the sole daughter, Sue Heck, her full name, Sue Sue Heck, is like the invisible woman. Every, no one ever, she, no matter what she tries, it always screws up and nobody remembers her. Wow. And then there's Brick. Brick is the kind of kid he, the parents give the cool name to because they hope that means the kid will be cool. And he ends up being the biggest nerd in the family and has oh, wow. weird problems. Um, there was an episode I watched actually today before you came over where... Uh, they're trying to get Brick to socialize more. And so the father's idea is, of course, yep, yeah, sports. If we get him into sports, he'll be bound to make friends. Yeah. Bull. But anyway, uh, so they ask him, so he calls him and says, Brick, what kind of, what kind of, uh, we're going to get you into, we're going to sign you up for a team. What sport do you like? What sport do you like? And Brick says, basketball. It's like, no, oh, that's very definitive. It's like, okay, cool. Right. So they get him to the game, and of course, it doesn't go well at all. <laughs> Right. So they get home and and Brick and, um, and the dad asks Brick, I thought you said you like basketball. He says, Yeah, I like all f- uh, three syllable words: basketball, lacerate, pajamas. Oh my <laughs> gosh! Uh, and yes, it does have Neil Flynn playing the dad, who was the janitor from Scrubs. It is that guy? Plus oh. Patricia Heaton plays the mom. Oh, okay. So yeah, it's it's a fun show, and I'm I'd forgotten how good it was until I started watching it. I am seeing some episodes I do know because they played incessantly when I was watching it on reruns. Yeah. But, uh, or, we, you know, we just randomly came on. But I'm enjoying the show so, again so far. So That's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, I, that's what I've been watching. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'm still playing Yakuza 0. Oh, okay. That's not a game I suggest for kids. I got you. Totally get it. But totally anyway. Totally get it. Anyway. Yes. Uh, what do we got... Well, I, I've got you're slightly distracted. I can tell, <laughs> of course, because I'm seeing the blue blur over there. Yes, you are seeing um, the blue blur. All right, what so do we got in the news? News wise, okay. All right, so let me. Okay, so thank you, pandemic, again for doing this. So, all right, so all my information comes from uh, animationmagazine.org. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or yeah, .org, .com, whichever you find it either way. Uh, all right, so apparently Paramount is afraid that one of their upcoming films will not do well due to the uptick in coronavirus uh, cases. And that would be the uh, Clifford the Big Red Dog. So Why would it not do well? 
so apparently, uh, according to the article, uh, worried over whether family audiences will uh, will be able to visit U.S. theaters at the end of the summer due to the rise uh, risk peaks of the Delta ver- Delta variant of COVID uh, has pushed Paramount Pictures to pull Clifford the Red Big, Do- Big Red Dog from its planned uh, September 17th release, having um, <clears throat> having been pulled uh, from the earlier announcement of November 5th. Uh, after considering a, a one-week pull, the studio opted to remove the supersized pup star from the, cal- the, cal- uh, the calendar for now. So we don't know when this movie's coming out. Lovely. Yeah, they just dropped the trailer. So now we have no idea when this movie could be coming out. I'm sure Scholastic, who owns the right, all the rights to Clifford the Big Red Dog, is just very happy about that. Oh yeah, they're, they're just you know bouncing for joy. Mm-hmm. The movie's not getting out. Mm. Yes, I, I I I completely understand where Paramount's kind of worried. Yeah, I do too. But it's at the exact same time, it's like you have Paramount Plus. <laughs> yeah, like at you can at least re- put it there. Exactly. Well, no, there's probably good reason why they decided not to do that. Because when did they decide to do this? Uh, just like this the, last week. Just the other day, actually. So probably after uh, Scarlett Johansson decided to sue uh, Disney for the releasing uh, uh, Scarlet Witch, Scarlet Witch, <laughs> Black Widow, Black Widow on Disney Plus, and it, and her not getting all the residuals she was supposed to get. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, supposedly Emma Stone is doing the same thing because of... Uh, Cruella? Cru- Cruella. Ooh. I wonder if that has anything to do with it. That could... With their decision. Let's just hold off. Yeah. Until we're sure. Wow. Yeah, so as of right now, Clifford the Rubber Dog has been pulled from the calendar of uh, theatrical releases right now. So if you were looking forward to that movie... Uh, You'll have to wait. you have to wait. It'll probably come out... Uh, probably the end of this year, probably early next year. Mm-hmm. So it will come out eventually. Hopefully. Eventually. eventually. All right. So uh, this is a movie we have reviewed and it is coming back to theaters. Back to theaters? Back to theaters. What is this? A little movie called Coraline. Ah, uh, was it like a HD re-release or something? Uh, no, it's uh, apparently on... Halloween Spectacular? No, it's actually in August. <laughs> Weird. Yeah, August 25th. August 24th. Uh, it's uh, 3 p.m. and 7 p.m. Uh, Fathom events, along with like a like like Shout Factory and Park Circus, will be bringing uh, fan favorite Coraline, aka of 2000, 2009, back to theaters to celebrate the 15th anniversary of Leica Studios. Uh, Coraline will premiere its entirety with feature bonus features contained that revealed the unique creation process behind Leica's extraordinary films. So, yeah, if you are a fan of Leica or Coraline, it's coming back to theaters. Okay. So if you want to catch that in theaters, uh, Go do, do that. Go do so. Do so. <laughs> so, yeah, that is all I have in the all I have all I have in theaters, all I have in news. All righty. So let's go ahead and jump into our spoiler-free thoughts. Yes. On a 70, 80-year-old movie. <laughs> yeah, at this point, 80. <laughs> 80 years old. Uh, Pinocchio. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have a movie this old, it kind of feels bad to say this was my first viewing of the movie. I mean, really, the only things I had seen of this movie prior to me sitting down to watch it uh, Saturday was uh, the I've Got No Strings On Me uh, song 
that I'm sh- that showed up on like the Disney sing along songs mm-hmm. VHSs. If you remember yeah. that, yeah, uh, I remember from I remember that from there, and that's pretty much like all I knew. I mean, I knew about Figaro, of course, yeah, uh, and of course I the Kingdom Hearts levels, of course, levels. Got to be true here. Um, no, I mean uh, it was interesting. Uh, I had known a couple things about the original story going into this. Yeah. Uh, which I'll get into into the trivia. But I thought it was I thought it was done very well. There's a lot of things I was not expecting. Okay, yeah. In this. Mostly once we get to Pleasure Island. <laughs> oh, you didn't know about that. <laughs> I Okay. I knew they turned into donkeys. Okay. That's not a spoiler. E-onk. It's not a spoiler. No, it's not. It's an eighty-year-old film, yeah. but I think I can say that safely say that even if this was like a two-year-old film, yeah, I can say, oh yeah, they get they they go to Pleasure Island and get turned into donkeys. Mm-hmm. That's not really a spoiler because uh, I mean it's like everywhere, but um, th- everything that led up to that, the reason, all, the word, the wordage, the wordage, the wordage, why they got turned into burrows. Okay, let's face it. I yeah. am down, dancing around what they actually were. Yes. The actual word for what you would call these animals. Yes. Because we're a PG show that mm-hmm. tries... N- that That is PG in the same way that Lord of the Rings is PG. <laughs> we just don't like saying... I don't like saying cuss words. Right. Period. But I guess at the time... I'm just going to just jump right out here and say it. I guess at the time, jackass was not a cuss word. <laughs> well, to be... To be- technical yeah that's what that's what those animals are called they're called yeah. jackasses I'm, I'm aware it's it just it feels weird to say that and that's and that's not what really threw me off the worst i mean yeah when i heard the noir it's like oh this is like the this is like the pg-13 movie where you have one good f-bomb and that's it no <laughs> they say the word four times and i'm like not the f-bomb jackass yeah jackass. Uh, it's like Something about this feels wrong, but that may be modern sensibility. Yeah. So if you have never seen Pinocchio and are wondering, should I show this to my kids? Watch it yourself first. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I think in general the story is good. For it is kids. good. It's it's got a good morality. It's got, a, it's tell. got great messages, but m- when they get to that part, it's just because of our modern sensibilities mm-hmm. and our modern way of thinking. Yeah. And what we're used to in children's films oh yeah pleasure island is gonna throw you off just a little bit now i keep saying that saying that like there's naked people all over pleasure no no there's no girls on pleasure island Mm -hmm. might mean other things but anyway uh but i mean it's kind of a weird place um it is the best anti-smoking psa i've ever watched agreed good night it's like hey only bad boys smoke cigars but anyway, pretty much. Uh, but yeah, I, I still enjoyed the film. It's not my favorite. Yeah. Uh, but I still enjoyed what it, for, for what it was. I enjoyed it. Mm. What's your spoiler-free? My spoiler-free thoughts. Uh, well, a little background history on this. Well, Pinocchio, I watched as a very young child. Uh, obviously, I, I remember Figaro is the cat. Figaro is probably... I'm not going to say he's best cat. He's close to it. No, he's not Gigi. He's not Gigi. He is a close Gigi. <laughs> there, is uh, a reason, there is a reason Walt Disney kicked Minnie Mouse's poodle... Exactly. curb <laughs> and let her have Figaro. <laughs> exactly. Because Figaro is Figaro. Figaro is Figaro. Exactly. Uh, like, obviously, be like... 
watching it as a young child, you didn't quite understand. You get to Pleasure Island and just like absolutely freaking horrified. It's like, oh my gosh, they're turning into donkeys. <laughs> Why are they turning into donkeys? <laughs> uh, but after that, I'd never seen the film after that. I'd uh, spent years and years and years mm-hmm. uh, with this very arrogant thought that if it was old, it's not worth watching. When I was young, when I was young, you're very naive. I about disagree that, but I understand. Yeah. Now, Green, that it's was very the, easy to get into that thought process. Yeah, exactly. Because my thought, my 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 thought is a a, a young boy into a, a latter sense of my uh, adulthood was that if it was old, it didn't have any relevance. So if it was black and white, if it was really really old, it didn't have any relevance. Now I am much older, much wiser, and mm-hmm. much uh, have a lot more grace now. Uh, by the grace of Jesus Christ, thank you very much. Yes. Uh, so yeah, I, I have a much deeper appreciation for these things, and uh, obviously enough, my mother bought me this amazing little book, uh, Treasures of the Disney Animated Art, and uh, it's a little book. It's got some amazing pieces in here that uh, you can probably still find it. Uh, you can probably like Barnes and Noble can probably find it. Uh, it's it gives you a really good insight to like a lot of the younger, a lot of the earlier um, animations of Disney. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's it's a little treat because I never took uh, I never looked at it as a kid. I just knew my mom bought it, yeah. so I, I wasn't going to throw it away. But um, yeah, I had that, and obviously it has Pinocchio on front. And uh, I, after watching it for the first time, because I remember I un- I unwrapped it when I got it from a, a Disney Movie Club, and it was like, okay, I'll ch- I'll check out the uh, I'll check out the features. I'll, I'll watch the movie later because mm-hmm. I've seen the movie. So yeah. No and hurry there. No hurry there. And so I it's watched, just been 30 years probably since you saw the movie. Probably. <laughs> and so watching it now, it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's like the... the, the There's a lot the, of good stuff in the this. The art in this thing is nuts. <laughs> like, you, you look at like how dark... Be like, this is probably Disney's horror film. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a good way to put it. Or uh, as, as one animator said, yeah, it's like a, it's a Hitchcock film. <laughs> well, I remember... Um, when I was in, I think it was junior high. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. There was, I don't remember if, if I was at like a youth conference or something, but the guy who was, you know, talk, uh, speaking, bringing the word to us, heathen children who should go out and swim. Yeah. Uh, he was, I remember him telling the story about the, about the scariest thing he remembered watching. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, you know, Money down. The scariest thing is watching Lampwick turn into a donkey. <laughs> and I remember this stuck with me because I thought it was like a weird thing. And he goes and explains about how you know it's he, he him you know all everything all the motions that go into it. Mm-hmm. But the thought was like, really, kid turning into a donkey. The kid's fine. He probably turns back at the end of the movie. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Wrong. So I that that so of course that thought comes into my mind. Yes. As we get to Pleasure Island and I'm watching, you know, kids destroy the Mona Lisa. Like, uh, <laughs> And I'm thinking, okay, so it's, it's going to happen any minute now. Oh, they're in the the, the pool hall. That kind of mm. makes sense. And then all of a sudden it goes, you see the, you, you hear the first, you go, it's happening. Holy crap. <laughs> this is actually, this, yeah, this is scary. Uh-huh. And then it gets worse. Uh-huh. Because after that, and you start seeing it happen into Pinocchio, it's like, well, you, know, you may not have made it to real boy, but going to be a real donkey. Yeah. <laughs> a wooden donkey. That's the thing. I can't really tell if he was going, if he was turning from wood to flesh or not. <laughs> 
But the scariest part for me was not that transformation sequence. Okay. It was when they were loading up the... Uh, we're kind of gotten into spoiler territory, but we'll be past this soon. Yes. <laughs> when they're loading the donkeys up onto the... Um, in the crates? Uh, into the crates. Oh my gosh, yes. And that one says, uh, is, is still capable of human speech. speech. Yes. Who voiced that donkey? Who? Same guy who voiced Pinocchio. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so he's, he says, I want to go home to mommy. He says, throw this one back. He's not quite. Right. He, he's not quite. He's, he's still human or something like yeah, he's that. Yeah, he's still able to talk. And we're still going to, we're going to wait until you're, anyway. That's the scariest part. It's like, <laughs> these kids aren't, there's no going back. Yeah. There is no going back. Holy crap. And think about like all the ramification. Be like you have like child trafficking. You have yeah. like you know human enslavement. Yeah. The whole bit. Be like you just turned them into donkeys. They're still human. Yeah, like, but, it's but frightening. Anyway, anyway, yeah, we have. We probably should go ahead and drop this warning. Yeah, before we spoil anything else. Yes, agreed. Uh, so uh, why don't we go ahead and do that? Unless you got something else you want to add before that. Uh, let's kick this mule. And uh, we'll see you on the other side. Don't forget that you can download. Download? Don't forget that you can't. Don't forget that you can listen to us record the podcast live every Tuesday over on our Facebook page, The Cellcast, our uh, Twitch channel, The Cellcast Gaming, and on YouTube at Cellcast. Also, don't forget to join our Patreon if you would like to support us monetarily. At $1, you'll get our everlasting thanks. At at our $5 tier, you can get some artwork from Jacob. And at our $10 tier, you can get bloopers for every every episode we've released that I've remembered to release them for. And you can get commentaries from different movies. So come check us out over there if you would like to support us financially. Do you like trivia shows but wish you could stay a little longer with the contestants? Do you wish that if those contestants didn't know the answer from memory, they could Google the answers? Do you love finding out how many of certain objects fit between the Earth and the Moon? And do you want a game show that is completely unfair? Then might I suggest The Raw Quiz Show, where Ryan Ashley Wall pits and competes against five different combatants each season to see who is the true trivia champion. And you can find it over at Pop Americana, which the podcast you're listening to is also a part of. Go to the link in the description to find out more. The following is a spoiler-filled review of the movie Pinocchio from 1940. Listener discretion is advised. Pinocchio was directed by Hamilton Lusk, who also would go on to direct Cinderella, mm-hmm. and Ben Sharpstein, who directed Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs before this. Mm. Many of the other sequences were directed by Norman Ferguson, Jack Kenny, mm-hmm. Bill Roberts, and I kid you not, T. He. T. He? T. He. Yeah. I suspect this was a uh, nom de plume. Possibly. More than likely. Uh, It was also written by Ted Sears, Otto Englander, Webb Smith, William Cottrell, Joseph Sabo, Erdman Penner, Aurelius Bataglia, 
Bill Peets and Frank Tashlin, and is based on the original story by Carlo Collodi. Cast includes uh, Dickie Jones playing both Pinocchio and Alexander. Hmm. And uh, he was in a lot of Westerns as a kid. Okay. He was a, he was like one of the youngest trick riders who ever lived. Really? Yeah. He was doing trick riding at like four. Wow. Yeah. He was, uh, he was young. So he, he was in a lot of Westerns when he was young. In fact, this is like the one thing I saw that wasn't a Western. <laughs> if we're going to get right down to it. Yeah. Uh, he was uh, Dick West in uh, something called The Range Rider. Looked to be one of his most famous of these roles. Oh, okay. Uh, Cliff Edwards was the voice of Jiminy Cricket. Mm-hmm. And in something called The Great Lover, he played Finney. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, just a little side note, like doing, like watching the documentaries on this, apparently... Um, apparently this, the voice actor, uh, he was like known for radio. He was known mm-hmm. for, you know, doing, um, uh, uh, recordings and, uh, silent film. Apparently he's the, the first person to make, uh, a mi- like a million dollar record. Nice. I was like, wow. Makes sense That's for how the- well he sings, uh, when you wish upon a star. Yeah. Granted, this is like and the 1930s. Boy, does he hit those high notes at the end of the yes, movie. Yes, he does. Uh, Christian Rubb plays Geppetto, mm-hmm. and in, he played the character of Schmidt in You Can't Take It With You. Mm. Interestingly enough, I was in a production of You Can't Take It With You in high school. Really? Yeah. I didn't play Schmidt. I played a drunken Russian dance teacher. Okay. <laughs> I can't remember the character's name, but that's who I played. Ah. Um, Evelyn Venable was the Blue Fairy. And in the movie Death Takes a Holiday, she played Grazia. Mm. Charles Judels was the voice of Stromboli and the coachman. You know, both the human villains. Yes. Uh, He played a character named Pedro Felipe in something called Live, Loves, and Learn. Mm. Walter Catlett played J. Worthington Foulfellow, which is named in the movie as Honest John. Okay. And uh, he was, uh, he also played the character of Morrow in Mr. Deeds Goes to Town. Here's one I bet you didn't expect Mel Blank. Uh huh, I knew about that one. Plays Gideon. Yeah. The cat. Yes. <laughs> a friend of Mr. Uh, of Honest John. Mm-hmm. Of course, he's known for playing Bugs Bunny and. Pretty much everyone else at one point or another that wasn't a female in Looney Tunes. Okay. But Mr. Spacely in uh, The Jetsons also. Yes. That was his last role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So an interesting point about uh, Mel Blanc being in this film. Like, apparently he recorded all of his lines. And it's Mel Blanc. Be like, he does a fantastic job. But apparently Walt Disney thought, it's like, ah, this character should be mute. So they, the only thing you hear Mel Blanc say is, hiccup. Yeah. That's the um, only thing I'm you hear. I'm now going into my trivia and deleting that one. <laughs> hey, I can't help it. I know, I know. Just If I start going into that, slap me. Uh, but not hard. I uh, gotcha. Frankie Darrow <laughs> plays Lampwick. And he played a character named Frankie Doc Kelly in On the Spot. Mm. Clarence Nash played Figaro, Roughhouse Statue, and some of the donkeys. 
Actually, it just says, I think he's the only one that played any of the donkeys. So he played a lot of donkeys. Uh, mm. And uh, he was the original Donald Duck. <laughs> yeah. Don Brody was played the carn- one of the carnival barkers. And he was Saloon Man 3 in something called Hot Lead and Cold Feet. Okay. Stuart Buchanan played another carnival barker. And he was the huntsman in Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Really? Yeah. And uh, John McLeish played another carnival barker. Hmm. And in many, many, many different things, he played the narrator. Oh, well. He was the narrator in quite a... Not just Disney shorts. I saw him like all over the place. So this guy was really known for being a good narrator. Wow. Apparently. Uh, here's an interesting one, though. Marion Darlington, who was mm. the voice of the birds. Yeah. Was also the voice of the birds in Cinderella. In fact, nearly everything on her list was birds. So I, she was very flighty? I'm assuming she must have recorded some sound effects at one point. Like a ton of them for bird voices. Yeah. And they just got reused for many, many years. And they had to keep crediting her. Huh. I don't know if this is true, but that's just what I assume. Uh, Virginia Davis, who plays some of the children. Mm-hmm. She played a character named uh, Alice in a bunch of shorts called Alice's Wonderland. Yeah. That was made by Disney for RKO. Before, outside of the uh, the normal Mickey Mouse stuff. Yeah. Some li- live action shorts that they produced for them. Yeah. Which was weird. Which RKO was owned by... RKO was their own company at this point. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, Patricia Page played the marionettes. Mm-hmm. And she played a character named Ethel Kent in Hammer the Toth. And this was literally her only other credit wow so no i don't know what it is but she didn't do anything else and uh getting into our kingdom hearts connections Mm. not a one at best you got some musical cues you got the fact that jiminy cricket is a major character in all the kingdom hearts games Mm -hmm. And you've got uh, the fact that there are two levels based on uh, throughout the series that are actually based on Pinocchio. You got Monstro in Kingdom Hearts One, and you've got Pleasure Island in Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance, mm. and that's it. Wow! Obviously, none of the voice actors could reprise their role. Yes, because <laughs> most of them were dead before the games were made. Exactly. But that's it. That's that's all the Kingdom Hearts connection. Okay, so. Info and stuff, if you please, sir. All right. All right. So it is available on Disney Plus if you are a subscriber to Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, anywhere else, you can buy it for like $3.99, $4.99, or you can just go purchase it, <laughs> which I highly recommend because I am a physical media kind of guy. All right. So IMDb, it has 7.5 out of 10. What is his Rotten Tomatoes score? Oh, there's a question. Yeah. 80. 80%. Close. 100. Really? It's a 100%. <laughs> well, I suspect some nostalgia may have uh, colored this. Uh, maybe. A- anything this old that's well-known enough to actually have a Rotten Tomatoes score? 
that's might be a little nostalgia feel. Well, I it's think. it's been re-released over the decades, so yeah. yeah. And I will I will get into that uh, in a little bit. All right. So production was by Walt Disney Productions, not Walt Disney Studios yet. Right. Uh, and dis- it was sorry. Uh, distribution was by RKO Radio Pictures. Mm-hmm. Which I'm not sure what happened to RKO. I actually looked this up when we were uh, doing King Kong over on uh, Movie of the Week. Movie of the Week podcast. Yeah. Because I was curious myself. Uh, RKO pr- uh, held the right. Uh, well, it actually still exists. Really? But only as a uh, holding company at this point. Oh, okay. Uh, for the few things they actually do still own the rights to. Ironically, not, not be, that not being King Kong. Huh. Well, the movie, but not the... Uh, they don't have anything distribution-wise. M- they quit making movies like in the 50s, I think. Yeah. And then most of their library is owned by Columbia. Oh, okay. While some other stuff is split between Warner Brothers and Dis- and of course Disney. Yeah. But even then the Disney stuff is pretty much owned outright at this point. They leave the RKO pictures on there pretty much because why edit at this point? Yeah. And history. So Exactly. All right. So release date was its original release date was February seventh, nineteen forty, at the Center 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 Theater, which I'm presuming is in California. Which One would pro- assume. Yeah, apparently, I don't, I don't think that theater even exists anymore. There was Probably just, it was not. The 40s. Uh, all right, so its official release was on February 23rd, 1940 in the United States. Its box office, its estimated budget was $2.6 million. That's probably estimated now at probably 1930s. This is the most expensive animated film. I know, it was, it was the most expensive film made at this time. Yeah, they it, it spent more money making this film right, than they did with uh, uh, Cinderella. Yeah. Not, yeah, Snow White and Some Dwarf. Well, I mean, the, it, this and... Uh, not Fantasia. What was, the other, what was the other one that was around this time? Um, not, not any of the other short ones. Short Dumbo. Think it, uh, Dumbo. Dumbo. Yeah, not, it, either it had been Dumbo or uh, got this Bambi. Bambi was the other one. Yeah, Bambi. Bambi and this were actually being made around the same time. Yes. But uh, they needed to do some more work on Bambi, so this movie actually got uh, got pushed forward. Yeah, because they they were they they weren't sure about the technology to be able to do Bambi, Mm -hmm. so Walt knew they could do Pinocchio. So that's why they did Pinocchio first. All right. So uh, its opening weekend was. $3.7 $3.7 million. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> nope, that's wrong. <laughs> Th- these are these are the numbers from the 1980s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, never mind. <laughs> uh, it opened well. It opened we'll well. say that. Well, technically it didn't. Uh, so to give, it, to give a, a good background on this, because I wasn't looking at my notes when, when I'm reading this, so I do apologize for that. Uh, okay, so initially it was a box office flop. Because I remember correctly, it only made like one point four million dollars. Be like, it's literally, and I'll, I'll read this in a minute. Uh, mainly due to World War II uh, being erupted in Europe, uh, cutting out the European and Asian markets overseas, 
It eventually made a profit in the 1945 release and continues to be one of the uh, one of the greatest anime films of all time. Uh, and like I said before, it has 100% rot, uh, score in Rotten Tomatoes. Um, Warner Brothers production back in 1940 when the film first released uh, lost a million dollars due to this film. It was like quite literally they were uh, Walt's brother came to him one day and say, "Hey, Walt, like we owe the bank like four hundred. We owe the bank like four million dollars." Yeah, and he laughed, <laughs> mm-hmm. and Walt laughed about it. Now going into a little bit more because there again the movie was technically a flop. Yeah, and just think about that for three seconds. Pinocchio being a flop that would never happen today. Right, definitely a movie of this kind of animation magnitude. So going into the re-releases of this film, granted, it was re-released in 1945, 1954, 1962, 1971, 1978, 1988, and 1992. All right. So Pinocchio was uh, was re-released on those dates. Arco handled the first two re-releases in 1944 and 1954, while Disney itself re-released the films in 1968. 1962, on through uh, Bonavista Distribution, which is now their distribution arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1982, it was re-released with the digital re- restoration and cleaning and removing of scratches from the, origi- from the original negative one frame at a time, eliminating sound uh, distortions and uh, uh, touching up the colors. Uh, despite uh, its, initial str- its, yeah, its initial struggle in the box office, a series of re-releases over the years after World War II pr- proved more successful. Along with, along with the film uh, Turning a Profit in 1972, the film had earned rentals of 30, $13 million in the United States and Canada from its initial uh, 1940 release and four, and four re-releases. After 1978 re-release, rentals had increased to $19.9 million uh, from a total gross of $39 million, the 1984 re-release grossed 20, $26.4 million in the United States and Canada, bringing the total gross to $64.5 million and $145 million worldwide. The, the 1992 re-release grossed $18.9 million in the United States and Canada, uh, bringing Pinocchio's l- a lifetime gross at $84.3 million in the United States and Canada, not including the worldwide releases. Mm-hmm. So going into home releases, there is a ton of home releases. So there again, be like movies were not going back to the 1940s up until the 1980s, movies were not released on VHS because VHS was not... uh, It didn't exist. It didn't exist. So if you wanted to go see a movie again, you had to go either A, catch it its first time, or they'll re-release it like five to ten years later. So And Disney was very good about re-releasing their films in theaters. Yes, they were. All right, so on... Or you could catch it on TV. Yeah, you could. That wouldn't have been until, like, the 1980s. Well, the TV, I would assume they could have been showing them in, like, no. the 60s and 70s. Yeah, you're right. It would have probably been, like, the broadcast. Yeah, 60s or 70s, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I never thought about that. All right, so on 
July 16th, 1985, it was released on home video and Laserdisc in North America for the first time on the Walt Disney Classic label. Mm -hmm. The second title label uh, after Robin Hood that previous November. Uh, it had a best-selling, uh, get this. This is from 1985. Mm -hmm. Uh, it sold, uh, 130 to 150,000 units for how much money? Give a guess. I'm assuming around this time, VHSs were probably like $30, $40 for a, for a movie. A million dollars. $80 a piece. Oh, $80 a piece. $80 a piece. I thought you meant uh, the total. No, no, yeah, no, no. $80. I was yeah. thinking $40 or $50 because... I know VHSs at this time were expensive. That's why the idea of movie rental places exists in the first place. Exactly. Exactly. Because if they were cheap enough, you could just go to the store and anyone could own it like they are now. Yeah. Just it's a different, it'd be a different story. Yeah. Think about be like 1985 and you were going to buy a movie that costs $80. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like it's like, that's insane now. Yeah. They're like, it's like buying like uh, a criterion collection. Except you get a lot with a Criterion collection. Yeah, exactly. Movie. All right. Release. All right. So, going on for that, uh, it was re-released on October October 14th. Uh, this is uh, it was released for Sleeping Beauty. This is the first time it was released on in the UK on VHS in 1988. Uh, the digital restoration uh, was completed in 1992. Um uh, resulting in a cinematic re-release and was released on VHS on March 22nd or 2026 20, 1996 uh, following its fourth uh, VHS release uh, and the first time released on DVD on its 60th anniversary on October 25th 1999 the film was re-released again on DVD and the last time on VHS Mm -hmm. On the Disney Walt Disney Gold Collection uh, Classics Collection, re-released in 2000, along with the film, the VHS edition uh, contains uh, the making of a documentary, which is really good. I highly recommend that. Um, the Gold Classic Collection re-release was returned to the Disney Vault. If people remember what the Disney Vault was, because I'm that, sure people still remember yeah, the Disney Vault. Yes, uh, in 2002. Uh, the same year I graduated high school. <laughs> Actually, oddly, I remember that. The <laughs> um, uh, special edition uh, VHS and DVD of the film was released in the UK in 2003. The fourth uh, DVD release the and the first Blu-ray uh, as this was the Platinum Edition series released in 2009. Uh, like the 2008 Sleeping Beauty Blu-ray release, Pinocchio Blu-ray uh, package features the restoration of by uh, Loyal Digital, which is a two days uh, had bonuses from the original DVDs. Um, it was returned to the vault in 2011. A sp special edition was released on on digital HD in 2017, and the following was a Blu-ray DVD combo pack and the same year. Okay. And so now it is on Disney Plus. Yes. So there again, the Disney Vault still contains a few things, but hopefully that'll all be released at some point. We hope. Yeah. 
Come on, for Disney. wide release. I mean, yeah. some of the things in the Disney vault you can get on Disney Movie Club. Yes. But not all of it. Yeah. All right. So, going into the summary. Jiminy Cricket begins the movie by singing When You Wish Upon a Star. Mm-hmm. And as he finishes the song, he begins to tell a story of dreams coming true. One night, he arrives at the shop of a childless woodworker named Geppetto, who creates a marionette which he names Pinocchio. Mm -hmm. Before falling asleep with his pets, Figaro the cat and Cleo the goldfish, Geppetto wishes on a star for Pinocchio to be a real boy. During the night, a blue fairy visits the workshop and brings Pinocchio to life, although he remains a puppet. She informs him that if he proves himself brave, truthful, and unselfish, he will become a real boy. She then assigns Jiminy to be Pinocchio's conscience. Geppetto wakes up and is ecstatic to discover his puppet is alive. After a couple minutes. (laughs) Yeah. The next day, on his way to school, Pinocchio is led astray by con artist Fox, Honest John, and his sidekick, Gideon the Cat. They convince him to join Stromboli's puppet show, which Pinocchio does, despite Jiminy's objections. Pinocchio, as the puppet without strings, becomes Stromboli's star attraction. When Pinocchio tries to go home, Stromboli locks him in a cage and announces his intentions to tour the world, chopping up Pinocchio for firewood once he's served his purpose. After Jiminy's unsuccessfully tries to free his friend, the Blue Fairy appears and asks Pinocchio why he was not at school. Pinocchio lies, but his nose grows longer and longer until he tells the truth. The Blue Fairy restores his nose and frees him, but warns she can no longer help him. Meanwhile, Honest John and Gideon are promised money by the coachman if they can find stupid little boys for him to take to Pleasure Island. Although they are terrified by the coachman's statement that none of the boys come back as boys. They again, they again fall in with Pinocchio and convince him to take a vacation on Pleasure Island after his terrible experience with Stromboli. On the way to Pleasure Island, Pinocchio befriends Lampwick, a delinquent boy. Without rules or authority to enforce their activity, Pinocchio, Lampwick, and other boys soon engage in smoking cigars and cigarettes, gambling, vandalism, and getting drunk, mm. much to Jimmy's dismay. Jiminy discovers that the island hides a horrible curse, The boys brought to Pleasure Island are turned into donkeys for their misdeeds and are sold by the coachman to slave labor in salt mines and circuses. Pinocchio witnesses Lampwick transform into a donkey and with Jiminy's help, Pinocchio escapes, although with donkey ears and a tail himself. After returning home, Pinocchio and Jiminy find the workshop vacant. They soon get a letter from the Blue Fairy as a dove stating that Geppetto had gone out looking for Pinocchio but was swallowed by Monstro, a terrible Mm. giant whale. He is now living in the belly of the beast. Determined to rescue his father, Pinocchio jumps into the sea, accompanied by Jiminy. Pinocchio is soon swallowed by Monstro as well, where he finds Geppetto. Pinocchio devises a scheme to make Monstro sneeze, giving him a chance to escape. The scheme works, but but the enraged whale chases them and smashes their raft. Pinocchio pulls Geppetto to safety in a cave before Monstro crashes into it. Geppetto, Figaro, Cleo, and Jiminy wash up safely on a beach, but Pinocchio is apparently killed. Mm. Back home, Geppetto, Jiminy, and the pets are inconsolable over the loss of Pinocchio. However, the Blue Fairy decides that Pinocchio has proven himself brave, truthful, and selfless. 
To reward him, she reverses the Pleasure Island curse and turns him into a real human boy, reviving him in the process. Much to everyone's joy. As the group celebrates, Jiminy steps outside to thank the fairy and is rewarded with a solid gold badge that certifies him as an official conscience. Getting into the trivia for this, Figaro was Walt Disney's favorite character. Disney pushed for the kitten to appear in the film as much as possible. After the film, Disney swapped Minnie Mouse's little cocker spaniel with Figaro. Meow. Originally budgeted at $500,000, the development of the film caused it to go way over budget and ultimately cost $2.5 million. One of the most expensive films produced at the time. Mm-hmm. Working models for all of Geppetto's cuckoo clocks were built as guides for the animators. Mm -hmm. Evelyn Venable, who was also the physical model for the Blue Fairy, along with the voice, was the model for another character that I think you are uh, knowledgeable of and have seen quite a number of times. Now, which character is this? Well, it's in the logo for a famous film studio. Currently owned by Sony. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's the, uh, she is the model for the original Columbia Studios logo. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. During the musical number, When You Wish Upon a Star, when a spotlight is seen on Jiminy Cricket, one is able to see two books to the left of the screen, mm -hmm. which are Peter Pan and Alice in Wonderland. Yes. Walt Disney started developing these two stories for the big screen at the time of this film's release, and they would be released respectively in 1953 and 1951. And of course, When You Wish Upon a Star went on to become the official song of the Walt Disney Company, used mm -hmm. in all of their logos, uh, opening film logos. Yes. The task of creating Jiminy Cricket was given to legendary Disney animator Ward Kimball, mm -hmm. his first assignment as an animation director. He originally designed the character to look more like a real cricket, but Walt Disney found the result too gross and demanded he be made cute. Kimball, Kimball ultimately removed all the insect-like features and turned Jiminy into a little green man with an oversized head, wearing a gentlemanly outfit. The animator borrowed from the logo of Johnny Walker Scotch Whiskey. Disney was pleased, even though the character no longer resembled a bug. In later years, Kimball expressed unhappiness with the compromises in Jiminy's design, saying the audience accepts him as a cricket because the other characters say he is. Yes. The first time famous voices were used to revive the voices of cartoon characters because Cliff Edwards, who voiced Jiminy Cricket, was a popular personality at the time. Mm -hmm. This was the first animated film to win an Academy Award in a competitive category. Because Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, in 1937, had won a special Academy Award two years earlier. Mm -hmm. They didn't win an actual one. Yeah. They won a big Oscar with six, seven little Oscars around it. Mm -hmm. uh, Award-winning children's book illustrator Gustav Tegren helped create the European storybook conceptual design, rendering town streets and the undersea landscapes. His design sketches ultimately influenced design work for Disneyland. Although Tegrin heavily influenced the overall look of the film, he left the Disney Studios before the film was completed and received no credit. Mm. 
Originally, the donkey Lampwick was supposed to join Pinocchio and Jiminy in their escape from Pleasure Island, but is caught by the coachman's minions as he's being carried away, says, Go on, save yourselves, I'm a goner. Some storybook adaptations kept this scene. Huh. The character that would make it even more yeah, worse. Even worse. The character of Jiminy Cricket wasn't introduced into the story until nine months into production. Mm-hmm. In an early chapter of the night of the 1883 novel, yep. Pinocchio kills Jiminy Cricket, who was known yeah. only as Talking Cricket, by throwing a mallet at him. Uh-huh. However, the cricket shows up alive in a later chapter with little explanation given. Mm-hmm. This is one of, if not the only, Disney film to feature multiple main villains. The first villains being Honest John and his assistant Gideon. The second villain being Stromboli. The third, although Pinocchio never meets him personally, is the coachman who took the kids to Pleasure Island. And finally, Monstro. Looks like he did meet him because he's sitting, yeah, he's next, like sitting to next to him. But yeah. yeah, they never talked Yeah, on screen. Uh, Honest John and Gideon were supposed to meet Pinocchio a third time and be caught by the police after he rejects them. Okay. Honest John's real name is given in promotional materials as J. Worthington Foulfellow, but this name is never mentioned in the film itself. When Foulfellow attempts to coax Pinocchio to go to Pleasure Island, he gives him a card with an ace of spades on it, mm-hmm. calling it his ticket. In popular myth and folklore, the ace of spades is referred to as the death card. The blue fairy in Pinocchio, as well as the prince in Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, was created using the rotoscope technique. Uh, I'm going to skip ahead here. Um, John Musker and Ron Clements would Mm. consult on how Pinocchio achieved its underwater effects when they were in the process of developing The Little Mermaid in 1989. Uh, Early attempts at creating the sound of Pinocchio talking underwater involved uh, Dickie Jones trying to talk with water in his mouth. When this proved unsuccessful, other methods to create the sound were sought. The successful method was a specially designed microphone with a coiled internal wire and paddles which distorted the sound enough to give the watery effect. Mm -hmm. That brings me to the end of the trivia. Jacob, what is your first like? My first like is the fantastic animation. Just Mm -hmm. like just look uh, like like watching documentary and seeing how many like a one scene like the uh, the blue fairy you're looking at probably one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, like eight or nine uh, layers of animation for that one scene. Mm-hmm. And you think about like the, 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 uh, the appearance or reappearance, all the, the, uh, I'll call it the glitter that arouses her be like today. That's more like an anime really easy. It's like they drew every single one of those in frame. Every yeah. one of them. Mm hmm. You know, talk about talent. Be like, be like, there, there are some scenes where, be like, you're using the multiplane camera, and you're going in, but then you slide with it. Yeah. Like, be like, you have multiple, multiple scenes, like the uh, the scene that really pops for me, and uh, Walt Disney actually speaks on this scene at one point uh, during a uh, uh, during one of the a sweat box scene, which if you don't know what a sweat box scene is, a, a sweat box uh, viewing is where the director or the uh, the head of the studio 
and all the animators go and see, you know, go and watch, you know, progress. And literally, the uh, the director or head of the studio goes in and critiques everything. And there's no AC in it because re- apparently the original building didn't have AC. Granted, mm-hmm. this is the late 1930s, so there wasn't AC yet. <laughs> right. So, yeah, you're literally sweating in a box. Hint, sweat box. <laughs> so, uh, the the scene for me is uh, when uh, Pinocchio and uh, Jiminy jump into the ocean to go find Monstro. Mm-hmm. And just the, the fact to be like, you have Pinocchio, who ties a rock around his tail, jumps into the ocean, and instantly the buoyancy be like, he, he uh, as Walt Disney described it, in uh, a transcript, because obviously we don't have the audio, but uh, he describes it as be like, well, he's be like he hits the floor, but then his buoyancy gets him, and he starts floating. But the but when uh, but like it comes to the 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 peak of the uh, the tail attached to be like he be like he goes upright, but he kind of yeah. he rebalances like every time, and the animation in that is freaking amazing. Mm-hmm. Like there, there's so many. And it's subtle. It's not it's like subtle. in your face. Or the uh, the the scene I love to death is like when uh, Geppetto starts playing with Pinocchio and uh, uh, Figaro, mm-hmm. which Geppetto's kind of mean, just a little bit. I've got <laughs> he, some he thoughts. kicks his cat. <laughs> I've got some thoughts on Geppetto when we get to dislike. <laughs> All right. So the the scene where like he's be like the you know the the wooden puppet Pinocchio is playing with um, Figaro, and it's just the the fact that, like, they had to draw this character, which, be like, obviously, it's not alive, it's a puppet. So, yeah. you, you have the Because they couldn't use life after references for that. So, it's all anime, it's all imagination, is one animation called her, called it. And it's just, like, fascinating. It's just, like, the fact to be, like, they literally had to be, like, he's on the ground, it's just dumb. They don't. They don't. They're just like, just like every movement. You're like, there's nothing fluid about it. It's just like, don't, 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 don't. And it's just freaking amazing. I'm like, whoa. Like, why, why didn't I watch this movie before? This is a freaking amazing film. This animation wise. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. It just blew my ever living mind. I was like, okay. No wonder people studied this movie like crazy because just animation gold. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, mine is animation. Well, you've put me in a weird pickle here. Okay. Because your number one relates to two of mine. Okay. And I don't know which one to do first. Okay. Now. So, I'm actually going to jump on uh, the Blue Fairy here. Okay. Um, yes, the rotoscoping on her is painfully obvious, but I think it kind of gives it a more ethereal feel. Yeah. On her character. Mm-hmm. Because obviously she's a fairy. She's not of this world. Right. And she's dealing with two very solid uh, mm-hmm. creatures for most of the time yes. we see her. But between both Pinocchio and Jiminy. Mm-hmm. So I, I love how in the same scene you've got this very fluid motion. Obviously caused by the rotoscoping. Yes. Uh, on the blue fairy. But then you still got almost Tom and Jerry-esque style animation on top of that. Yeah. Because that was the other thing I kind of noticed is that Jiminy moves a lot like Jerry. Okay. A lot like Jerry. That makes sense. 
and yeah, especially with the small form and everything. Strangely enough, Figaro moves a lot like Tom. Also, yeah, just a lot smaller than Tom was, and cuter, uh, and cuter. Yes, but uh, I, I just loved how you have this very rigid, obviously cell standard Keith and Keith a frame style animation mm-hmm. as your normal world, and then only when the blue fairy shows up do we get any of this incredibly fluid, almost too fluid animation. Mm-hmm. It gives her the feel like she's, it's, it's kind of how I guess you could explain like a, like descriptions of like the a Tesseract outside of Marvel, the actual object the Tesseract is based on. Okay. How they explain it's like a fifth dimensional or fourth dimensional object in three dimensional space. Yeah. And how it, moves but it doesn't move in a way that makes sense visually okay that's kind of how it works it's like she's moving too smooth for the rest of the animation but it works it does it makes you feel like she's not of this world yeah which granted any other character would yeah not work at all yeah but for this character it works perfectly because she is not of the world yeah so yeah the rotoscoping on the blue fairy how it makes her feel more like a fairy than just a strange human woman that broke into Geppetto's house. <laughs> okay. Uh, kind of a, uh, a point in that when you talk about rotoscoping, there's uh, when they, t- when they talk about the film, they talk about the rotoscoping because they, u- they use live action. Yeah. And uh, so what they did, they, the, the actor who played uh, uh, Jimmy Cricket, be like, you know, is normal human goes in, does the scenes and they go in and print all these scenes. So then you have the animator who takes it and does a really rough sketch drawing of that frame and then goes back and takes the character model and works that back into it. So Mm -hmm. it's rotoscoping to give more dynamic, but it's not as rotoscoped as the blue fairy is. No, it's not blue fairy is literally like every frame is drawn over. It's not like you pick good frames to do keyframes on and then do you know, in betweening to fill in the gaps. No, it's it's it's, it's, they, it's like no, all the in betweening is rotoscoped. Every single frame. Yeah, that's how they did it with the blue fairy. Yes, that's the point I'm getting at. I got you. Anyway, totally get it. Yeah, technically, all a lot of Disney films use rotoscoping to get their keyframes. Mm-hmm. I agree with you there. Yeah. Your second like. My second like. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I guess I, that's what you were waiting on. Yes, I was waiting on that. <laughs> All right, so my second favorite would be two characters, Jiminy Cricket and Figaro, mm-hmm. <laughs> because just Tom how and Jerry. yeah, Tom and Jerry, pretty much <laughs> Tom and Jerry, pretty much. Uh, they don't have that relationship, but that's how I think of them. Yeah, so like the how uh, Jiminy Cricket is like how he's animated and his little his spunk, his just be like. It's like the the point where he is um, he confronts um, what is uh, Pinocchio's friend from Pleasure Island? Lampwick. Lampwick. Be like when Lampwick like insults him. Be like, "Oh, you little punk!" And just like go oh, balling up, get into a fight. It's just like I love how how he's animated his voice actor, how he does it. Just like incredible. And then you get Figaro, who's just a cute little cat. Yeah. He's a cute little kitten. 
And originally he was like had like a bit part, but they kept putting more and more and more mm-hmm. Figaro in mm-hmm. there. Or the the scene Walt Disney loved him so much. Exactly. So the the scene that uh, another animator pointed out, uh, the animator who did uh, Genie for Aladdin, mm-hmm. he pointed out the one where uh, uh, Figaro and the fish. I'm forgetting her name. <laughs> Either way, I was about to say Goldie. I don't think no, it's Goldie. It's, it's not Goldie. It's not Goldie. But I um, got it up here. Hang on just a second. But either way, um, uh, she um, Cleo, Cleo. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Cleo. Be like they're 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 patiently waiting on their food, but Geppetto has be like, I'm gonna go check one more time, and it's like, uh, don't eat your food. And uh, <laughs> that was the scene that really drove home the Figaro Tom connection. To yes, because so, I was like, I've seen that facial, <laughs> that face before on another cat. <laughs> the fact the Figaro makes a fuss and just tosses yeah. arm just. <laughs> yeah, I, I was exactly. like, oh my gosh, perfect! Just if like, Chuck um, Jones was not somehow involved in this, I would be surprised. Yeah, but yeah, it's just like those two, those two characters. Uh, I, I I enjoyed the animation. I enjoyed the the how how they brought the character to life through the animation and the voice acting with uh, Jiminy Cricket was just perfect. His voice his voice the singing everything about it was just great. And uh, how like all the other characters were very much a character out of um, uh, like a uh, like a fairy tale, like a fairy tale. Character. But mm-hmm. Jiminy Cricket, he was like a wise guy. He was yeah. a wise guy from the 1930s, and he was making references from the 1930s oh, in this yeah. film. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, he is like a he's the know. most likable character he in is. the whole film. He is." And you got to remember when I first picked up Kingdom Hearts back in 2002, mm-hmm. and it's like, "Oh, you've got Jiminy here. That's that's an interesting story." Well, I guess yeah, it makes sense. He could do the journal and not be seen for most of the game because mm-hmm. he's too small for the camera to make him out. Okay, that's cool. But it's like no, he's the wisecrack. It's like I didn't expect him to be the to be the character that's actually like the best character in this film. Yes, but anyway, yeah. So what is your number dos? Well, you talked earlier about the marionette animation. Mm-hmm. I actually like all the marionette animation there too. In fact, I would actually be surprised if they did not have like a bunch of marionettes to study. They did. Uh, on on set, so they could actually see how, th- maybe even have someone who a marionette uh, performer actually do many of the actions they needed done, so they could base that on uh, the stuff, especially like the Pinocchio, like you said, the crawling Pinocchio scene when he's still a yeah. marionette primarily, or most of uh, no strings on me yeah. when you're showing you know all those different marionettes mm-hmm. with the. The, the the Swedish, the mm-hmm. Russian, and I think there's another one, but I can't think of what it is. Mm. But all that, it's like, all of that animation is, it doesn't feel like, it, it actually feels like I'm watching marionettes. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds strange. Yeah. But it's like, this is accurate to how a marionette would move. And I appreciate how much, how, how, how that is. And, I, and it actually even extends to all of uh, Geppetto's cuckoo clocks and mm-hmm. all the other uh, what do you call that uh, what do you call that type of uh, gear like watch watch works yeah 
So you know what I mean? Yeah. Any of that kind of stuff where it's like this very small, intricate, jeweled gear movement. Oh, yeah. And how it's how all of that seems to act exactly like it's supposed to. Even when the short part where Jiminy has to pretend to be part of the uh Oh yeah, that's great. Stand, he even moves like you would have assumed he would have moved. Yeah. Uh so yeah, I, I really enjoyed the attention to detail on the animation of non-living objects. Yes. So cause because a part of me is thinking, yeah, if you'd have done this today all of those characters would have been done in C- CG. Yeah, pretty much. Because that would have been far easier than trying to draw it yourself. Yeah, and think about like how or many non-human layers. Like, characters. Yeah, that's all like so multi-layers and everything. Oh, yeah. It's nuts. <laughs> and it's all done by, by hand. hand. There's a reason we call this the cell cast. It's because we really appreciate Jeez. cell animation. Yes, Absolutely. What's your third like? My third like is kind of diving into more theological. Uh, oh, yours too. Yes. Mine. I was, wonder if we hit the same point. We probably did. Okay. All right. So mine is called the rise and results of temptation. And that would be where Pinocchio is. Ah, my number third like story about temptation. Yes. <laughs> Great minds think alike. <laughs> or like minds anyway. Or like minds anyway. Uh, so. The, the idea that Pinocchio is there again tricked by Honest John mm-hmm. <laughs> to go to the, what is it, the, the not the Trade Master, what's his name? Stromboli? No, like Stromboli was freaking terrifying. That was terrifying enough. Yeah. Pleasure Island, on the other hand. Yes. Talk about a horror house. Yeah, house exactly. House of horrors. Yeah, exactly. So it'd be like, you have the, the Heck, same. that place is scary before they start turning into donkeys. <laughs> exactly. The, the, the fact to be like they they are given full reign to do whatever they want and the thing about like the the human the human mind definitely within the the Christian standpoint and definitely theologically is that the human mind is depraved mm-hmm. like you you give a human a like like you give them an inch you give them they'll take a mile there's that idea that like if if a man is allowed to do whatever he wants that's terrifying. Yes. So you have There's all a reason the purge movies exist. Yeah. Exactly. This is, this is the purge before the purge. Yeah, exactly. Mine there is, is a scary so, thought. That is frightening. Disney's so, the purge. Disney's the purge. Pinocchio. I've got no strings on <laughs> me. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's <laughs> even scarier than Ultron. Oh my gosh. Yes. Like thinking about all the ramifications, the fact that, like God, like by His grace, gives us uh, like com- like common grace, mm-hmm. like common grace to be like kind of restrains but, us. Yes, like even though sometimes I kind of struggle with that that uh, that bit of theology there, but I do I do completely understand where it's where it's coming from. Um, but it's this idea that like you are like you can do whatever you want, you can do whatever you want, and that idea that if someone said be like go nuts, go have fun. Be like, there's be like, no one's watching. You can do whatever you want. Like, how much of a big temptation that would be, and like not giving into that temptation. So the idea that all these boys be like, they're all like rebellious little, you know, yeah. seven, eight year old little boys, and they just go to go to town making a muck with everything, and then you realize what temptation cost. Yes, the like the uh, like from the example I used with uh, Akira. Mm-hmm. With the idea of be like, 
Now you have all this ability, you have all this freedom. Now there's a cost of freedom. Yes. Be like nothing is ever given for free. And the fact to be like you you are given free reign to sin how much and ever you want, but there is a cost. The cost is you lose your humanity. Yes. You become a simple burrow <laughs> to be sold off and be used by someone else for their own gain, their own pleasure. Uh-huh. And it's just like, that is absolutely frightening. <laughs> the The fact that like humanity, if you give humanity, it's be like humanity can be good. If it be like in a general worldly sense, mm-hmm. humanity can do good things, a relative good, relatively good things. I'm not saying be like, they can do ultimate good. They can't do that. Right. But when it comes to, if you, if you, if you told someone like, use the example, use the example. If you have, uh, if you, if you, if you give someone the chance to do something, be like, Oh, don't touch this. And you leave the room. Most likely they're going to touch it because now be like, there's no one watching be like, I'm not be like, I've been told I can't do it, but now I want to do it. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the greatest temptation of doing something, but the idea of temptation, there is a consequence. Yeah. And I, I, I love the idea that, you know, it's like even Pinocchio, this very innocent little boy who just been created into real life. It'd be like, his temptation is so real. And, um, it'd be like, he, he follows, uh, his little friend, What's his name again? Lampwick. Lampwick. I always forget Lampwick. Uh, it just follows him around and be like, and then you don't see what's going on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And then everybody gets turned into burrows. And it's like, oh my gosh. Well, and see, the thing is, this is actually reflected throughout the entire movie. Yeah. I mean, at the, at the beginning, when things really start, you know, the first time we see... Okay, so in, initially, yeah. the first time Pinocchio quote unquote misbehaves, Pinocchio doesn't realize he's misbehaving. Yeah, the fire because he gets his finger caught on fire. Well, he doesn't know. He doesn't even know it's supposed to hurt because he's made of wood. Yeah, he doesn't have any nerve endings. Right. So of course, you know he's. They quickly get stick his burning hand into Cleo's fishbowl. Poor Cleo. So he doesn't burn, and of course she coughs, giving us our Chekhov's gun. By the way. Okay. I've told you what that means, right? I think, yeah. Remind me one more time. Chekhov's gun. That is, if something happens, that's if you see right. something yeah, yeah, in yeah, the first right. act, it has to go, if you see a gun on the mantle in the first act, yeah. it has to go yeah, off by the third. third. Yes. In this case, we see that a fish coughs when its water is full of smoke. Mm-hmm. So later on, the giant, not actual fish, but for the purposes of the, of being a sea creature, we'll call it a fish, mm-hmm. caught sneezes them out of his yes but anyway that's not the point i'm getting at Mm -hmm. uh but you know you get out to and he first meets honest john yeah and you know he's on his way to school yeah he has no other thought of anything else to do it's like oh yeah i'm heading to school i've got the my apple that my uh father Mm -hmm. lack of a better term uh gave me and it's like oh you must be doing it the hard way what have you thought about being an actor it's like, look at all this cool stuff over here. You don't need to go to school. You need to go over here and just go and perform. And he gets over there. And even Jiminy is mm-hmm. of the thought, you know, maybe they're right. Yeah. He seems to be better off over here. And you you go through that whole uh, sequence there mm-hmm. 
of No Strings on Me, and it's like, everything is looking good for Pinocchio, except you as the viewer know the other shoe will be dropping soon. Yes. And so you get back there, and, uh, you know, he gives him the fake, he gives Pinocchio the fake nickel, and you go, okay, yeah, that's how he's he's gonna have to pay for nuts. Oh no, you're gonna, you're not, you just lost your freedom. Yeah. You are a slave to this guy because he just sees you as a walking, talking thing. Mm-hmm. Who's gonna believe that this is a this, this marionette is alive? Marionettes always look alive. Mm-hmm. No one's gonna believe his thing is real. And then when I'm done with him, I'm just gonna chop him up into firewood like I do with all of my marionettes. Ain't that the picturesque of wholesome? Yeah. It ain't. And so Pinocchio realizes the fault here. He's like, no, he should have gone to school. He should have listened to Jiminy. He should have done what his father said. Mm -hmm. If he had done all that, he wouldn't be facing his enslavement and death. Yeah. Francisco would love this film. (laughs) Oh, here's the thing. This being the first time I marked this as my, uh, on my backlog golf. Yeah. And I said, by the way, Francisco, don't watch this movie. You won't (laughs) won't like like it. it. A, it's Disney. (laughs) B, lots and lots and lots of disobedient children. Though there are definitely consequences for their disobedience. (laughs) Definitely. Anyway. Uh, And so, like you said about, you know, and then, then, you know, he gets back and Sean says, oh, no, I'm sorry that went bad. You need a vacation. That's what you need. How about you go to Pleasure Island? No, no, but he's like, oh, you're sick. Yeah, you're, you're sick. sick, and you're like, "Oh, you need a vacation." Yeah, you need a vacation. Yeah. So we're gonna, how about you go to Pleasure Island? I've got a ticket here. Enjoy your trip to to this. Uh, well, uh-huh. I'll, I'll even take you to the the, the dock. The do- well, not the dock, but the uh, the carriage that will take you to the, the dock, dock. Yes. That will take you out to Pleasure Island, where you can just laugh and have fun all day, mm-hmm. and you know, hang out there for one. He never talks about when he would come back, which, uh-huh. you know, that that I disagree with. He, he, I would have need to know, hey, what time am I coming back here? You'd uh-huh. have to at least make that lie. Yeah. But, you know, that's not even... Pinocchio's not even smart enough to think of that. And it's like, you go off to Pleasure Island, and of course, they have all this debauchery. Oh, yeah. The greatest things I would assume a 30s kid would have been... It would be in the dream of any 1930s era child mm-hmm. delinquent boy who just wants to go out and have fun and break stuff and smoke and uh you know drink beer like the grown-ups and mm-hmm. play the the most the worst game that was ever the, the most adult just the base game that ever existed <laughs> billiards i love billiards the so much pool fun. is fun but anyway yeah. uh Obviously, at this point, it was not considered a wholesome game. <laughs> Apparently. I think it's mostly just banking on the gambling aspect uh-huh. of this. And plus, it's that kind of thing is probably easy to animate and still look good. And then you see Lampwick transform uh-huh. into a donkey. And it's horrifying to watch. And then you see the tail and the ears sprout on Pinocchio. And you're going... Holy crap! How is he getting out of this? And then they, and then we skip over to Jiminy Cricket. Mm-hmm. He's like, I can't. They, those boys will listen to me. I don't know why I try to talk to them. But this is, I, I, hey, let me out this, let me out of this place. Mm-hmm. And he gets into, 
Holy crap, they're all those are all the boys. They've turned into donkeys. Pinocchio, get over here! We need to jump into the ocean. <laughs> and they go and jump into the ocean. And they get back to and, and Pinocchio at this point has realized all of this is his fault. He is at this point and very much he I'm sure he kind of feels like the prodigal son. Who's just realized if I just go home and was a servant in my father's house. Yeah. I could at least eat three square meals a day. Yeah. But unlike the prodigal son. He gets home. The father did not just hang around and wait for him to come back. No, the father went out looking for him. <laughs> and now the father is trapped in the belly of a large whale. Mm-hmm. A whale of a whale. The great and terrible monstro whose mouth takes up three quarters of its body <laughs> and has a very confusing internal uh, <laughs> digestion, <laughs> digestive system, at least yes. according to Kingdom Hearts. Yes. But that's beside the point. I mean, his stomach is above his mouth in that game. That'd make a lot of sense. But that's beside the point. Oh my gosh, yeah. That <laughs> is uh, very much beside the point. Uh, and. Pinocchio, and that's the thing. Up until this point, Pinocchio has been like the worst son anybody could have had. Not granted, he was just born yesterday. Literally, literally, he just fell off the marionette carriage. <laughs> literally, mm-hmm. he was. Uh, he doesn't know any better. True. He's very innocent in that way, but he's with these two horrible things that he's done. He's realized, oh yeah, Jiminy knows what's going on. Perhaps I should listen to him. He is my conscience. And, but even then, his conscience tells him, don't jump in the ocean. Did you catch that part? Jiminy doesn't want him to go into the ocean. That's true. He doesn't because he says this is not a good idea. You will probably die down there. Even if you find Monstro, there's no... If you, if you find Monstro, what are you going to do? Get eaten by him? There's no way any of this is a smart thing. But even here, when Pinocchio doesn't ignore his conscience, he talks to his conscience. Mm-hmm. They talk about it, and they realize this is the right thing to do. He's got to find his dad. Mm-hmm. And the only way he can find him is to conveniently walk into the middle of the ocean and find a giant whale laying on the bottom of the ocean floor. The awful convenience of this entire section will be coming up soon. Yes. In the next part. But it's when he is acting for Geppetto Mm -hmm. and for Cleo and for Figaro and not for himself. Yeah. That he shows bravery, uh, selflessness, and whatever the third one was. I can't think of it right now. That's when he shows the three mm-hmm. things, and that is why the blue fairy goes ahead and let uh, lets him become a real boy. Mm-hmm. It wasn't for because you want to get right down to it. He doesn't deserve to be a real boy. That's true. He did not listen to his father. He did not listen to the only other authority figure he truly had, which was Jiminy, placed in authority over him by the blue fairy who gave him life. He doesn't listen to either one of those. He causes so much grief and strife. For everyone around him, the only people who the only people who really were blessed in any way, shape, or form by Pinocchio being Pinocchio was Honest John and Gideon because they made money off of him twice. 
Very true. That's the only people who really got anything out of it. Even, uh, I, mean, I, I guess, uh, technically, the other two, uh, um, Stromboli and the coachman maybe got money off that too. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, he didn't deserve to be a real boy. That mm. one act was not enough. Yeah. Not in reality. But it was the grace of the Blue Fairy that realized maybe he's got some in here. Maybe he doesn't deserve it, but man, I guess he I guess he didn't earn it, but I'm going to go ahead and let him have it. Yeah. Give him the salvation of being a real boy now that he's learned his lessons. Okay. Very good. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. I don't know. But yeah, it's about temptation. And ironically, I think it's also about salvation. Yeah, because we are Pinocchio in that in this instance. Agreed. And we're we are comp- every day, every single one of us is accosted by Honest Johns and Gideons, mm-hmm. leading us down the primrose path to Stromboli and to uh, the Pleasure Park. Island, and eventually into the mouth of a giant whale. That is true. To our deaths. Mm-hmm. And keep in mind, he died before the end of this movie. Yeah. But he was brought back to life Mm -hmm. by no earning of his own. Yes. Not really. She says this, but honestly, I'm watching going, that would not have been enough. He did not. None of his actions there were really reparations for how he acted. Geppetto should be pissed. Because Geppetto knew Pinocchio for a grand total of maybe 12 hours tops. Mm. From the time he was brought to life until he sent him off to school. Geppetto had was, was worried sick. Mm-hmm. Figaro was a very hungry cat. <laughs> yes. Probably also worried sick, but really more worried about his stomach because he's a cat. <laughs> Cleo is a fish. Is a fish. She couldn't do anything anyway. Hmm. Just be Geppetto's water baby and move on. But that's just how I, I, like I said, I may be reading a little too much into it, but that's just what I see in this film. Yeah. It's a story about not just temptation. Yeah. But about redemption, Mm -hmm. but not redemption that was earned. Yeah. Being redeemed by, by the decision of somebody else for giving you something you don't deserve. Deserve. Boy, if that doesn't sound like Christian salvation, I don't know what does. Agreed. Good point. Very, very good point. Very good, sir. Very good. It's not a perfect analogy, but it's pretty close. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. So once you're done being a jackass, (laughs) go and accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. No, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. (laughs) You should do that even though you've been one, not because go and be more of one. Yes, exactly. Turn around. Stop being... That exactly. follow Christ <laughs> exactly. That brings us to the end of our likes. Do you mind if I jump in my first? Sure, dislike? go ahead. I want to get this off my chest now okay. that I've talked about how horrible a person Pinocchio has been. Yeah, because Geppetto could have done one thing that would have completely destroyed this as a movie and turned it into a boring story. Okay. If he just walked Pinocchio to school on the first on his first day of school, on the first day of Pinocchio's life, yeah. Think about this. 
A, how does Pinocchio know how to go to school? All he knows to do is to follow the other boys. Mm-hmm. Who knows if they're going to school? Yeah. I mean, we know there's delinquent boys around the island, around the around this town. So why would every boy that looks like they're heading to school actually be going to school? Yeah. Secondly, let's say these boys are going to school, and Pinocchio follows them there. Can you imagine the look on this teacher's face when a wooden marionette with no strings comes and says, Daddy told me to come to school. <laughs> Somebody you, get the hatchet. Are, are you my teacher? <laughs> oh my gosh. Here's an apple. <laughs> it's like, you know what? You might want to have an adult come explain things. Exactly. I mean, they're still going to sound like a nut, but... <laughs> and let's say, how much does Pinocchio actually know? Because he didn't know enough not to put his hand in a candle. Mm-hmm. And to get himself burned. He's made out of pine. True. Come on. <laughs> he He's not the smartest knife in the woodshed. Or, mm. more accurately, he's not the sharpest splinter on the log. Very true. Yeah, there again, he was born that night. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so, which raises my question. Why did Geppetto just say, go off to school? Here's an apple. Didn't even give him a lunch. Yeah, Now, sure. granite, I have no idea what a marionette would eat. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess he is made of wood. Maybe somehow he can photosynthesize. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's not explained. No, there's a lot in this movie that's not no, really explained. But it's not supposed to be explained because that's not the point. Right. But it's like, Geppetto, walk your kid to school mm-hmm. the first day. Talk to the teacher. Have a quick parent-teacher conference. Explain that she is now going to... That that the pup marionette is real. It is not demon-possessed. It is not the work of the devil, or whatever the Italian word is for the devil, because I don't think it's El Diablo. Uh, it, it, this is a real thing. Yes, a fairy visited me in the middle of the night and turned my marionette into a, into a living, breathing marionette. And if he becomes... If he stays a good boy, he'll become a real boy. Yes, I know how crazy that sounds, but he does need to learn about life, liberty, and the pursuit of pasta. It's Italy. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, if there's a lot of this, it's like, you could have saved a lot of time. I mean, admittedly, if uh, Honest John had done this, had caught Pinocchio the second day of school, mm-hmm. And Pinocchio was bored the first day? Because that's possible. Yeah. Honestly, I would understand why Pinocchio would go with them. Understood. A lot more than this, but he's like... Admittedly, they do a good job of showing Pinocchio getting tempted. Yeah. But it's like... uh, Geppetto, you could have at least done this much? Because how else is Pinocchio going to even know where to go? Right. He's just following the other boys and you're already holding him up. Walk him to school the first day. Yeah. Take him to school. Be a good father. Yes. Don't just... A responsible father. Yes. That's all I ask. Be... Do your job. But there again, the story wouldn't have flowed the way it does. And I recognize that. That would have ruined the story if that had happened. But it's like, Geppetto, if you'd have just done your job, you would at least put this off for a day. At least. Right. Or at the very least, here's what you do. Don't have him go to school the next day. Have a small time jump. 
A week. Yeah. Say Pinocchio had been going to school for a week. It, all the all these questions I have would be gone. Yeah. Because then all of this makes sense. But the first day? How does Pinocchio even know where to go? Yeah. I'm so surprised Pinocchio knows how to walk. If we're being honest. Yeah, he just was given life. Yeah. That night. <laughs> the night before. That was exactly. it. Because, I mean, I'm sure Pinocchio walking is not as easy as a human walking. There's no joint. bone structure. There's no bone jo- structure. There's the, honestly a marionette's not designed to hold itself up. Right. So how is he holding himself up? I mean, I'm reading too much into it. Now, right. None of that is important. But Geppetto, do your job. All right. That's my first dislike. All right. What's yours? Mine actually does involve Geppetto. All right. So the scene where. All the cuckoo clocks are going off mm-hmm. in the very, in the very, the like just after Pinocchio's become, you know, a real boy. Or he should remind you of another great inventor. Yes, Dr. Emmett Brown. Exactly. Great Scott. Yeah. The great Scott, I have a wooden puppet boy. <laughs> uh, so the scene where like all the clocks go off, mm-hmm. they, like he said, be like, oh, a celebration. Oh, what time it is. It's the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah, sure. But my problem with it is that he's like, he's got all these school clocks that are clocks that are all set at the exact same time. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, let me check the time. He pulls his pocket watch out and checks the watch. Like, why do you have all these clocks then? That's the joke. <laughs> I know what you're saying. The thing is, that's the joke. Yeah, I, I'm aware of that, but it's a really, really, it's like, really? <laughs> He's an old man who hardly has no business raising a child. Apparently, because he and apparently he's blind his, too. He has to pull out his pocket watch to see what time it is in a room full of clocks. Exactly. <laughs> Unless they're all set four minutes behind, thus making Marty McFly late for school. Yeah, or in this case, Pinocchio. Yes, <laughs> and he was late for school. Yeah, just a little bit. Part of the problem here. <laughs> Come on, there again, Geppetto. Do your job. Be a good father. Be a responsible father. Mm-hmm. So that that was more of a nitpick, and I was like, "What in the world? Oh yeah, you're blind as a bat." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is your number two? The use of anthropomorphic animals in this film. Okay. Here's the thing. I don't actually have a problem with how the donkeys are done. Okay. They're the only ones that really make sense because it's shown. Why in this world is there a walking, talking fox and a cat? Because it's Disney. That doesn't make <laughs> sense, though. There's no other walking, talking animals in this film mm. that are human-sized. Yeah. I mean, you got uh, Jiminy Cricket, who conveniently is never heard by anyone but Pinocchio right. and Lampwick. Mm. Lampwick does hear him. But yeah, he does. That's... He's not long for this world, so it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, he's he's got a he's got a boat to catch. Yes, he has is, a boat. That's to catch. terrible. That's a terrible joke. But uh, why are there? Fi- did obviously he's a fox because he's as sly as a fox. Yes, I get the symbolism. My question is. What island did he go to to show himself to Sly to turn him into a fox? <laughs> and there 
And why is Gideon a cat when the only vice we see of his is that he's drunk? I mean, I know there's the drunk cat thing I remember Tom doing and there been a bunch of Looney Tunes that had kind of the same feel. Mm-hmm. But I, and this may be just be a 1930, I guess it's because he's an alley cat and drunks mm-hmm. are in alleys. Yeah. Maybe that's the thought here. Yeah. Maybe there's a magic alley somewhere that turned a drunk into a cat. Yes. <laughs> and he, and after that, he met up with a guy who recently came from Fox Island and became, after, <laughs> after he showed he was sly. You see the problem with this? Yes, I see it. <laughs> there is, there, there, there is explanation given for the donkeys. You have to assume a similar explanation must apply for everyone else, but somehow it doesn't take away their humanity. It just turns them into walking, talking animals for no good reason. Jiminy Cricket, I assume he's just a cricket. Yeah. Because he's a good guy. He just happens to be a cricket. Mm-hmm. He's a, well, technically he's a bum. He's yeah. a homeless man. That's why he's a cricket, because he's going from hearth to hearth. Like a homeless man mm-hmm. would be going from fire to fire. fire. Yeah, that makes sense. And he, but he's a good guy at heart. Yeah. Maybe he had trouble. Maybe he didn't. I don't know. But then you have Honest John and Gideon. And you're looking like, why are you anthropomorphic animals? And why does nobody see this as strange? How many other anthropomorphic animals are running around here that we're not seeing? Mm. Now, granted, I understand. 1940s era cell animation. Every character on screen costs a lot of time and money. Mm-hmm. You have to be efficient. You can't just have random characters in the background to show, you know, walking, talking pigs and goats and anything else that's got some deep symbolism attached to it. Right. All you ha- really have time for is this one fox and this cat to show this. And... And act like nothing, no, there's no big deal. But I'm still sitting there going, an explanation needs to be made somewhere. Now, maybe this is something from the book. I don't okay. know. And maybe if I went back and read the book, there would be at least some explanation. Because I kind of get the feeling this is a long book. Maybe a kid's book, so it's like a chapter book, but, you know, it's longer. Maybe like a light novel or a you know young adult novel. Yeah. Well, technically, more was it was more, it was more like like strip form. It like it came out like little by little. Yeah, that's because that's how they released stuff back then. Yeah, but ain't collected. Yes, and I'm just assuming this is uh, that there might be more explanation. But of course, that's the version of the story in which Jiminy Cricket gets hit by a mallet and dies five <laughs> minutes into the movie. Yeah. Because Pinocchio is a little jerk in the, in the book. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's he's more of a jerk than this Pinocchio is. I would agree. This Pinocchio is a generally okay guy. He just keeps getting tempted and goes the wrong direction. Yeah. From what I understand, the Pinocchio in the book is just a jerk all the way through and does uh-huh. not deserve anything. That's that's why. You got a little side note of that where Walt Disney was. They were in produ- they were in production of it, and uh, he's like, "Whoa, wait a minute!" Be like, one, our main character isn't likable. And so he's like, okay, time, we're stopping production, we're redoing everything. And they did it in two years. Yeah. So that's why uh, all, like, Pinocchio is the way he is, because they had to go back and rewrite him to make him more likable. Because, like you said before in the book, he's not a likable kid. (laughs) That's what I gather. But, yeah, these anthropomorphic characters, anthropomorphic animal characters just Mm. make no sense. And I, 
Honestly, at first I didn't think about it until much, much later. I was thinking, well, yeah, they're the only two anthropomorphic characters in the story. That's true. Why are they here? Why aren't they just, you know, a, a fox look, a guy that kind of has fox's features and a guy who kind of looks like a cat-ish. Mm. Mm. Heck, make them Abbott and Costello knockoffs. That would be just as funny. Because they're kind of Abbott and Costello anyway. Agreed. But anyway. Yeah. That's my second dislike. What's yours? Mine is Dea X Fairy. Fairy X Machina? Fairy X Machina. <laughs> is the, the scene where... Ironically, okay. this is kind of going to go into mine, but go ahead. Okay, so the the scene where uh, the blue fairy uh, jailbreaks Jimmy, Jim, Jiminy, not Jimmy, Jimity and uh, Pinocchio out of... Um, What's his coach? His coach. What is that character's Stromboli? name? Stromboli. Stromboli. Stromboli is like, be like, this is the only time I remember his help. name because it's a food dish. Yeah, Stromboli. So, be like, yeah, she bells him up. That's the only. Be like, this is the only time I can help you. Bull. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because she should not have been able to come back and say, oh, by the way, Geppetto's in a whale. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm getting to. Is the fact we like they get back to Geppetto's house, they're gone, they're sitting on the stoop, and lo and behold, this little what this scroll comes down with the it's like you lying little fairy. Yeah, <laughs> sure. You physically couldn't come back in your full fairy form. Yeah. And you probably can't actually go and you can't go and wave your magic wand, sure. Yeah. To fix everything. You still have to go and do it yourself, but you still provided assistance. Yeah, by you, telling Pinocchio where they went, and it was such. I mean, like it was so. And the thing is, completely unnecessary, because what if Geppetto had just written us as Pinocchio? We're going out and looking for you. Yeah. Uh, if you get back here first, stay here. Yeah. And then Pinocchio, being full of worry, could have gone out looking all over town for Geppetto. Yeah. You know, still disobeying, but you know, understandable why he's doing it. Yeah. And find out, oh. Uh, this guy is cat and his fish went out to sea. I hear monstros out there. I hope they're okay. You could have done that. Yeah. And yeah, that would still felt horribly contrived, but yeah, far less contrived than I'm the blue fairy. And here I am doing my unicorn voice again. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> I'm the blue fairy and I'm going to give you the directions to uh, uh, monstros. So you can go save your, Father. Yeah, just oh, that's that scene was just like watching it, you know, for the first time with you know, adult eyes. It's just like what in the world? It's like you she, lied. Yeah, you lied. You're so. I know fairies in are not exactly angelic beings. No, they're not. They're they they are liars. But this is like the most angelic fairy. Mm-hmm. This, this is this might as well be an angel for who the character is. Right. And she lies. Well, she she makes the she makes a very she very makes a good plot a technical truth and a, a plot convenience. Yes. To oh, because I can see where they would the story would literally stop unless like a magical creature comes along and gives you the information you need. But I just gave you the way they could have done it without having the fairy ex machina. That is true, and it's fairly easy. You could have you didn't even have to have it be in that order. You could have them walking to town. And someone says, hey, did you hear about that guy? Uh, he went out to sea. 
with his cat and his fish, uh, I hear monsters out there. And, you know, Pinocchio, that would make more sense. Pinocchio would have heard it, but maybe not made the connection that yeah. that's Geppetto until he gets back to the house and sees a note. Yeah. Maybe I don't knew. That makes more that makes more sense, but there and maybe again. that's a little more clunky in terms of right. pacing, and they just needed to get Pinocchio to go to sea. Mm-hmm. And so they did that. I don't know. It's just it's a little clunky. Yeah, agreed. But we at this point we get into my third dislike. Okay. In which the movie enters into what I call Man, that's awfully convenient. Mm-hmm. For instance, it's Awfully convenient that when Pinocchio can't find his father, the fairy happens conveniently conveniently to give this note that says, hey, he's in Monstro. Go find him. Not exactly that, but you know what I mean. Yeah. So Pinocchio drops himself into the ocean with a rock and walks through the ocean. Now, granted, the ocean is a big place. Mm-hmm. It's very big. Bigger than land, by all technical accounts. Yeah, bottom of the ocean, too. And the thing is, it's not really the ocean, it's the Mediterranean Sea, probably. Uh-huh. Because this is taking place in Italy. Yeah. I think it's Italy, but anyway. So, Mediterranean Sea. And they just happen to walk straight to Monstro. That's awfully convenient. Yeah. And not only that. Not only did... uh was it convenient for them to find Monstro and for Monstro to open his mouth enough for Pinocchio to get in there, but not Jiminy, yeah. strangely enough. Pinocchio gets in there and very quickly, it just seems like it's very convenient. There's an entire house, not a house, but a, boat. A, broke, a, boat, a ship, probably the one Geppetto used, mind yeah. you, but conveniently it's still in his mouth and Geppetto and Figaro and Cleo have not been fully swallowed yet yeah isn't that awfully convenient Mm -hmm. it's awfully convenient that in what i'm assuming is less than three days yeah since pinocchio first disappeared Mm -hmm. that he's geppetto and crew had got here got swallowed and had time this much time to build a raft but hadn't had time to figure out how to get the raft out of monstro Mm mm-hmm and for Monstro to go sleep enough that they are hungry enough that they're afraid they're going to die. Yeah. Before the fish get in. That's fairly convenient. Yeah, it is. That it's that timed out nicely. And it's convenient that earlier Pinocchio witnessed Cleo coughing when the smoke got in her fishbowl when yeah. he burned himself. So it's like, oh, that's how we'll get out of here. We'll make uh, Monstro cough sneezes out and so he they light up enough of the the, he he builds enough of a fire that this happens they get sneezed out he happens to be close enough to land keep in mind monster's a big whale he probably can't get that close to land without beaching himself yeah monstro is a smart enough whale to know this too Mm. but he's so close enough to land that they can eventually swim to this cave Mm -hmm. that happens to conveniently be big enough for them to get into Monstro to not be able to get into and it still be a strong enough cave wall that Monstro doesn't even damage Mm -hmm. it when he rams into it at full speed. Now, they get washed back out again, true, 
because of the tide and everything. Mm -hmm. And then they all conveniently wash up on shore. Yes, Pinocchio's dead, but guess what? Geppetto happens to wash up close close to Pinocchio. Mm -hmm. Guess who's comes up just there right with him? Figaro and Cleo. And is Cleo in her bowl that's still fresh full of water? And not salt water? And somehow not salt water? Because I assume she's a freshwater fish. Yeah. Even if she's a saltwater fish, you have pH balance problems. <laughs> I mean, she is kind of a tropical fish, so maybe it's salt water. And it's still kind of, it's still not salty enough to kill her. Right. <laughs> I'm assuming. And she's still fine. It's like, all of this is so awfully convenient because they wash up next to each other, not three feet from each other. Cleo's bowl is upright. Yeah. Still full of water. No trash, no garbage. It's, it's just as if she just happened to still be in Geppetto's workshop. <coughs> and she's still there. It's like, shouldn't she at least have had a lover wash into her bowl or something? <laughs> Why is this all so terribly, awfully convenient it's because they realized they had 15 to 20 minutes of the movie left to make and they had to do what should, looks like it should be about an extra 40 minutes worth of story right and they kind of flush quickly together and they still have time for pinocchio to slowly walk through the ocean mm-hmm. which admittedly it's beautiful shots don't get Ag- me wrong agreed agreed but it's like we have to have that shot. Everything else, we're just going to sit back through. We'll just make this convenient. Let's move on. We don't. We want this to be a happy ending. We we'll, we won't even let the stupid fish who is there. We won't even let her be damaged. She'll be. Yeah. She'll be fine. Mm-hmm. She, she won't. She'll. You know. She. she mm. Also, Figaro doesn't even look wet in that scene. Figaro should look like a drowned rat. Have you seen a soaked cat? <laughs> yes, I have. He don't look like a soaked cat. He looks like he just... He looks like he was just blow-dried. That is true. Just poof. He's not a soaked cat like he's supposed to be. I'm looking at it going, Man, this is awfully convenient. And lo and behold, oh yeah, Pinocchio's dead. Is he? He's... How do you know? How do you check the vital signs of a marionette? Yeah, exactly. How do you know he's dead? How do they How breathe? How do you kill a marionette? That's the horror of the scene in Stromboli's carriage is that, yeah, he's going to be cut up into firewood while he's still breathing. Because can you actually kill a marionette by chopping it up? Yeah. How does Pinocchio die from getting sneezed out of a whale and washing up on... As far as we know, he's just knocked out. Yeah. He's not dead. But we act like he is. They tell us he is. Yeah. It's like, he's not... How how do you know? He has no pulse. He's a puppet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So that leads perfectly into my number three. Just like, thank you. (laughs) How does him not having a pulse? Because he's a puppet lead into your third dislike. How does a puppet breathe underwater? How does a oh, cr- I was, that's, how, that's the ingenious part of it. I how does it? How does a cricket breathe underwater? <laughs> a cricket. Well, try to work around that one. 
Pinocchio I can work with. Yeah. Because he's a puppet. He has no lungs. That's true. He could go into space for all it freaking matters. Jiminy, on the other hand. <laughs> it's like, yeah. He breathes. They so do. He's got to breathe. Crickets don't survive underwater, and it ain't just because they're good bait. <laughs> they are good bait. That's true. But it's not that's not the reason that they don't survive. Yeah. <laughs> they can't breathe underwater either. Right. Uh you so you have a point. Yeah. How does and the they cricket... go to the trouble of making sure he's got ballast in his pants? Right. Because he tried it in his hat and it knocked him over. Yeah. So he puts it that in his pants. That was funny though. It's like that's funny and all. How are you breathing, Jiminy? Mm. Oh well, it's Disney. Who cares? Yeah, it's 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 animation magic. It's Disney magic. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm thinking like, if wait a minute. If SpongeBob SquarePants knows to put a fishbowl on his head in water so he can breathe in Sandy's treehouse, <laughs> I expect more out of Disney than I expect out of SpongeBob. There again, it's like you said before. It's it's animation magic, and uh, it's I'd be like. There again, it's an extreme nitpick. I'm like, okay, he's supposed to be like a breathing, like, a, a he's almost described like he's he's alive, so he's breathing and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So like, Pinocchio, that's what he's described as. Yeah. Like he's a breathing, living marionette. Well, I mean, they don't know if he breathes. We just know he's alive. Yeah. If he's got no heart, part of his problem. Yeah. He's a heartless puppet. He's a heartless puppet. <laughs> That's like nine-tenths of the reason Riku was looking for him in Kingdom Hearts. Uh, he's True. a puppet with a heart. But he was not a... Didn't have a heart. Anyway. Yeah, either way. Yeah, it's just like... That That scene is so confusing. But like, wait, okay. One, you've been fish bait, Cricket. Yes. And two, how are you not breathing? How are you not just like... You'll be like, you're green. But you're going to go a lot more green. Yeah. And uh, there, when, uh, when they claim that Pinocchio's dead, it's like... There again, how do you know? How do you know? Like he he doesn't have a pulse. He has no heartbeat. Be like his. Be like just his. What are the he, vital signs he, of a living puppet? Yeah, Tell he's me that. he's he's giving a essence. Like he's uh, the like he he's giving it like a like a an actual essence. Like uh like uh, like a soul in a way, but he's still a puppet. Mm-hmm. So how do you like? Is is there like you know crack damage or? Like, what? Because we never see anything, and then he's turned into a real boy. Does his wooden brain fall out of his head? What? <laughs> yeah. Also, if he's got enough of a detail to have a wooden brain in there, Ben Geppetto's got good quality. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Especially since they didn't know what the brain looked like back then. That is true. No, they, had, not, they had an idea. Yeah. They had they, taken brains out of mm, people. So, yeah. Okay. Never mind. Yeah. Frankenstein <laughs> didn't exist before this. I don't yes. know what I'm thinking. <laughs> But anyway, anyways, so yeah, it's just those little nitpicks, and it's like because when you started talking about um, Pinocchio, they're like, "Oh, he's dead, but he's a puppet." How do you? Know? How do you know? And it's like, "Oh the, yeah, what, perfect segue to my third. What are the vital signs of a puppet? <laughs> like, have you ever tried to listen to the heartbeat of a tree? It doesn't have one. <laughs> that being said, I thought didn't wasn't there one scene where Someone was trying to tell if he was like asleep or not, and you could hear some sort of heartbeats, but then it was like somebody else banging on a wall or something. Didn't they play that joke? Oh, it was uh, it was when uh, uh, when Gideon was uh, 
looking him over to see if he was sick enough to go to Pleasure Island. Exactly. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, Honest John was. Yeah. And he's he's he's, he's banging all the pots and everything. And we go, oh yeah, he's got a heartbeat. It just sounds like wood hitting wood because it's yeah. wood hitting wood technically. Yeah. True. Somehow. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Somehow. Yeah. Either way. So it's, it's it's a nitpick. So yeah, that is my third dislike. Which brings us to our ratings for this episode. Mm-hmm. I'm giving it an eight. Give it an eight. It's a fun little movie. It's it's for the art for for its place in history alone. It deserves to be this high. Mm-hmm. But it's it's got the story is tight. There's only a few instances where we have fairy X mocking it, like you said. Yeah. And a lot of the questions I think I have brought up in my dislikes come down to me trying to think of dislikes mm. in many ways yeah. and look, seeing these logical faux pas that I'm going to admit the only one of these that I caught while watching the movie was how awfully convenient every, it was that everyone washed up at shore at the same place. Right. And I remember laying here sitting on the, the, the beanbag chair going, and I actually remember saying, well, that's awfully convenient. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's the end of the movie. We gotta we gotta run towards our happy ending. This is the second arrow ever Walt Disney feature film. Very true. Yeah, gotta cut him some slack. Very true. So yeah. Hey, giving it an eight. What right. are you giving it? I'm giving it a nine. I animation just is groundbreaking. There again, being the classic it is, be like this is a film that is loved by many, and I've never heard anybody really talk bad about the film. And the only thing I can really bring up, like in my dislikes, is more it's got a really loose third act, mm-hmm. and brought on by them trying to hurry up and finish the exactly, movie. Exactly, exactly, trying it's to really what it feels like. Yeah. So yeah, just like. Geppetto not being a very good father or just not, not being responsible enough to do, you know, do the right thing. Or maybe he's blind and just didn't quite realize there's clocks on the wall. <laughs> uh, who knows? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, ultimately I'm giving it a nine. It is worth your time to watch. Maybe go pick up on Blu-ray or Disney plus or Disney plus, whatever. I know Disney plus is far more convenient for a lot of people. Agreed. So yeah, that is my ranking. All right, and that brings us to the end of another episode, which means we need to tell you what to watch for next week. All right, what are we watching? We are watching, if I can get this up, The Croods. Hmm. This was a DreamWorks film, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. about a family of cave people. Yes. I think I saw it once. Hmm. I don't I, remember if I liked it or not. I haven't seen it. So join us next week for that. Yep. Until next time, this is Jigam, and this is Drew, and we'll catch you in the next frame. Come, Jacob, we must prepare for next week. Prepare for what, Drew? Same thing we do every week, Jacob. Record a podcast! Oh, boy! So where can they find you, Jacob? You can find me on Facebook at Jacob B. Heron, also on Facebook at Jacob's Daily Art Corner, where I try to draw each and every day. I don't get to it as often as I like, but... Uh, join me there. Also, you can find me on Instagram at Jacob e. Heron, on Twitter at Jacob Heron, and Letterbox at Jacob Heron. So, where can they find you, Drew? You can also follow me on Letterbox at GGeorge759, Facebook as Drew Dodgen, uh, my Facebook page where you can see pictures I've taken at Drew's Photo Bin. 
You can also follow me on Twitter at GGeorge759. You can email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at cast underscore cell. You can follow us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash thecellcastgaming. You can also follow us on YouTube at Cellcast. Listen to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and your favorite podcast directory. You can also listen to us on the Movie of the Week podcast with Jim Heron, where we talk about live-action movies. And remember, Cell is a single single L. L.